Lord, we thank you again, God, that we are here. Lord, we want to come back to that heart of worship. We want to be, Lord, vessels and people who live for you, God. We want, we want our life to matter for you, not for ourselves anymore, but we want to have purpose and meaning, and that's because of you, Jesus. And so bring us back to that, God. Bring us back to the heart of why you saved us and brought us, God, into your church, into your body, into this kingdom. And Lord, I pray that you would speak to us today through your word. And as we talk about spiritual warfare, that you would equip us, God, to be able to stand in the fight and in the battle, God, that we all face, every one, every one of us. So bless your word, anoint it with your Holy Spirit, and I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I read about there was this Christian man who was struggling to make ends meet. Uh, money was not a lot there, and financially it was a struggle. Well, he got uh, upset, so he went and confronted his wife with this receipt for $250 on a dress she had just bought. She spent $250, and, and he went to his wife, and he said, how could you do this? I mean, we're struggling. We're financially. We don't have a lot of money. Well, the wife says, I was outside the store staring at this dress in the window. And then the wife said, and, and then the next thing, I found myself trying the dress on. It was like Satan was whispering in my ear, you look fabulous in that dress. Buy it now. Okay, replied the husband. You know how I deal with temptations? I say this. I say, get thee behind me, Satan. Well, the wife replied and said, I know. I did that. But then the devil said, it looks fabulous from back there, too. Well, we know Satan is relentless, right? The devil is relentless. He's always there attacking us. He's always there trying to come against us. And, and it seems like he's, he, he doesn't let up, especially because once we come to Christ, right, we're, 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 we're on the other side. And so he hates that. He doesn't like that. And so he wants to take us down. We have to understand, as believers in Jesus Christ, right, that our life is like that now, that we're in spiritual warfare. We're in a battle. That, that's part of our life as believers. It's, I like what Warren Wiersbe said. He said, the Christian life is a battleground, not a playground. And that's true. I think I said that backwards, huh? It was on the screen. But it's true. It, we can't relax here because the enemy is relentless in his attacks on us. How can we fight against the enemy? <coughs> How can we fight against his re, re, relentlessness against us? Well, today in our study in the book of First Peter, we find the answer. We find how to fight against the devil. And that's the title of our message, How to Fight Against the Devil. We're going to be looking at 1 Peter chapter 5 from verse 8 through 9. 8 through 9, just taking two verses here this morning. And here we're going to see four things on how to fight against the devil. Number one, be disciplined. Number two, be on your guard. 
Number three, be immovable. And number four, be reassured. So those are the four things we're going to see here on how to fight against the devil. And once again, our title, How to Fight Against the Devil. Now, let's take a look at number one. How do we fight against the devil? Number one, be disciplined. Be disciplined. Look at verse eight here. Verse eight. Now, we're only going to look at the very first part. It says here in this section we're taking, it says, be sober-minded. And we're going to stop right there. We begin with Peter just saying a very simple thing. Be sober-minded. That basically means be self-controlled. That's the idea here, really. I mean, if you think about it, right, if we talk about being sober, when we use it in a sense of, of drinking too much and getting drunk, right, we're saying stay sober, right? Control yourself, right? Stay sober in that way. You know, you know try and, try and um, not do go that far in that way. When we talk about getting drunk, when people say stay sober, well, that's the idea here is that you need to control yourself. You need to be self-controlled. And here we're not talking about drinking. We're talking about how you live your life. We're talking about how you handle uh, situations, how you handle things that go into your mind, how you handle your emotions, what you allow into your heart, what controls, you know what, your will, your decisions, your choice. So Peter's really talking about self-control, and what he's talking about is discipline. Be disciplined in your life. In this sense, be in obedience to God. And I'll tell you, if you're disciplined in your life, in the things of God, you make it hard for the devil to come against you. And that's the first thing he puts up here is be sober-minded. Be disciplined. Think about how when we exercise self-control, right, what are we doing? We're, we're disciplining ourselves. We exercise self-control when, when we make sure our life is ordered around the Bible, right? We make sure we're in the Bible because it's easy not to get into the Bible. We exercise self-control and discipline when, when you keep yourself from giving into desires that are really not of God. We exercise self-control when you restrain what your own self will, right? I want to do what I want to do. And then you put discipline, you discipline yourself when you commit to say, hey, I'm only going to do God's will in my life. This is the discipline that helps us. This is the self-control to help us to, you know what, avoid the enticing and intoxicating things of the world. The things that appeal to our sinful flesh that draw us away from God. But when we're disciplined, right, we're, we, we can, uh, uh, the devil can't fight us. The devil can't bring us down and easily pull us away. You know, I think about how if we go on a diet, right, we discipline ourselves, right? Or maybe we're forced on it because of our health. Or maybe we decide to because, oh, I've got to lose some weight. So you discipline yourself. Oh, salads and, you know, no more sweets and uh, maybe just proteins or depending on what diet, right, you choose. But you still feel hungry, right? Oh, I like those french fries. No, no, cannot, yeah? So you discipline. You have self-control. That's the same idea here. 
that we, we, we stay in that arena, that area that God wants us to stay in. This is the discipline that will help you against the enemy. Be disciplined. The other day, um, just actually yesterday, um, I was talking to someone and, and they said they're trying to witness to their neighbors. But she put it this way, but um, they're so comfortable in their lostness. And I thought, wow, what a way to put that. What a way to put that. The, the world has been blinded, Scripture tells us, by the devil. And they've been blinded in, into, oh, this is fine. I'm okay. And they get comfortable in that lostness, not knowing what they're missing in Christ Jesus. But let me say this. Let me bring it on. Satan wants to keep believers comfortable and ineffective, right? By allowing them to just do what they please, to, to do what we, I want to do. And you start getting into that and pleasing yourself. He draws you into that. So you get comfortable, and then you get ineffective for the Lord. We don't want to be like that. But when we discipline ourselves, when we we not just eating what we want to eat kind of thing, right? And we understand why. Then you know what? It's hard for the devil to fight that. And notice something else here. Notice something else here. In verse 8, it says, be sober, what? Minded. Minded. You see, this self-control, this discipline, it starts in our mind, right? It starts in here. That's what affects our will. That's what affects our decision. That's what affects our, our heart. It starts here right in our mind. Remember, Paul wrote in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of what? Your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, that what is good and acceptable and perfect. It's through our mind, the renewing of our mind. That's what Paul talks about. So it comes through here. So what you put in your mind is very important. And what are we to put in our mind? The word of God, the truth of the word. Discipline starts in your mind and it starts with the word. And that's why it's important to get into the word. That's why we study the word every Sunday morning, Wednesday night. That's why it's about the word. This church is about the word of God. So here's Peter, and just this first little phrase here in, in uh, chapter 5, verse 8, he said, he's really saying this, be disciplined, you know what, in obedience to God and his word. Be disciplined in obedience to God and, and his word. And this is so important, you guys. This is very important. You, you take away this this avenue where God can, I mean, where Satan can really, really get to you. You know, we, when we go Costco shopping, I think we might even go today because there's like nothing in the house. And, <coughs> and, and, but that's okay for the diet. No, just joking. But, you know, whenever we go Costco, um, as we go through the store, especially, you know, back by the produce, they get these boxes. Yeah? I like to collect these boxes because... Usually, since we go like once every three months, and, you know, you got to buy the big paper towel thing and a big toilet paper thing, all this stuff, I usually get the flat cart, yeah, because the other cart, not enough. And we, we've been just going every three months, I guess, since COVID days, <laughs> we're just kind of used to it. But, and we have a freezer now. So I get the big cart, but I also get big boxes to put the little things in it, 
you know, and I like to put frozen stuff, keep them cold and other stuff. And, you know, I like these boxes. But I really like is those boxes with the handles. You know, the produce boxes that have little holes where you could put your hand, hands through. And because it's just really easy, you know, to, to carry, to move everything you put in there. Especially, I have a truck. So everything goes in the back of the truck. And, it, and rather than everything just loose flying all over, you know, when I drive, Hey, you know, you have the boxes. It's all nice and neat and orderly and organized in that way. So I, I like those boxes. It's easy to grab, easy to hold on to. And you know what? The box, you can get a box without handles, but sometimes it can slip out. Well, think about this. When you're not disciplined in obedience, we're like these, these boxes without handles. And it's easy for the enemy to find things to grab on you. That's what it is. But when we are obedient, when we are disciplined, there's nothing for him to get at you. There's, there's nothing that he can like push buttons on you for. There's no way that he can really influence you. Because you know what? You're disciplined in obedience. You're, you're, you're there with the word of God. See, when the believers surrender to God in obedience, the, think about this. The devil can't influence you or control you. But if he has a handle to grab, he can. And the box just slips out of his hands. So here's Peter. Be disciplined in obedience to God. And it's like what Paul said in Ephesians 4.27. Give no place. Or the ESV says, give no opportunity to the devil. So you see, the first thing Peter says is be disciplined. Let's go on here. Number two, how to fight against the devil, be disciplined. Number two is be on your guard. Be on your guard. It goes on here in verse 8. Be sober-minded. And then he says, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. First he says, be watchful. That means be on alert. It means be ready, be prepared. He's coming. We know he's relentless. It means to stay awake. It means to what I'm giving you today and our outline and our points is be on your guard. Be on your guard. Now, as we flow into verse 8 from verse 7, remember last week was casting all your care, your anxieties on God, right? For he cares for you. Uh, Peter's flowing from that saying, look, just because you've cast all your cares, your anxieties and worries on God, it doesn't mean you let down your guard in this spiritual battle. So he's saying, yeah, cast your cares, cast your worries. But you know what? Be alert. Be watchful. Be on your guard. Why is that? Because our enemy is relentless. Because he says here in verse 8, your adversary, the devil, he prowls around. He's like a roaring lion. He's seeking someone to devour. Now, with this, I want to give you three points of what he's saying about being on your guard. And first of all, this is it. Be on your guard for the devil works against you. Be on your guard for the devil works against you. Here he says, your adversary, the word adversary, we know. It means your enemy, someone who opposes you, right? He's your opponent. He's, he's not your friend. He is not your friend. 
He's, he wants to, he, he's against you, basically. Now, with this, understand, we know, right, that sat- Satan is a deceiver, right? Jesus said that, right? And, and uh, he said that in John 10, 10, I think it was, or, but Jesus said he's the father of lies. He's a deceiver. Second Corinthians talks about 11, 14, that he can come as an angel of light. In other words, he can come like, oh, real good, real, oh, oh you know, I want to help you. But it's a mask. It's just a mask. He could, he could come and say, oh, I'm for you, you know. I, I, I really, you know, am thinking about you. But he's not. I, want, I really want to help you. Hey, I got something for you. But it's just a mask. He is a deceiver. He's really disguising his real intention. What is that? This is John 10, 10. Is that he wants to kill, steal, and destroy, right? Steal, kill, and destroy. That, that's Satan. So he's your adversary. And why is that? Well, we understand he hates God, right? He hates Jesus. He's against Jesus. And, and so he hates you as a believer in Christ. So underneath all the temptations, underneath all that, oh, this looks good. Oh, yeah, this will benefit me. You know, under all the temptations is Satan with a knife ready to slice you. So, number one, be on your guard for the devil works against you. Secondly, be on your guard for the devil works to slander you. For the devil works to slander you. He goes on here in verse 8, your adversary, the devil. Now, I'm just keen keen in focusing in on that word devil, his name. The word devil in the Greek is diabolos, diabolos. And it means to accuse, the accuser, the slanderer, to slander. That's the devil. That's what he does. He wants to accuse. He wants to slander. And as he does, you know what his intent is? To divide, to separate. That's his uh, uh, goal here. He'll go and, uh, we know, he'll go and accuse believers before God, Revelation um, 12. He'll go and, and then accuse um, uh, he'll, he'll slander God, right, in the garden. He told Eve, uh, did God really mean that? No. You know what? He's holding back on you. So he'll go to God and, oh, this, this person, God, why, why, why you love him? Why you take care of him? He'll accuse you. And then uh, he'll uh, go to you and accuse God. Why? To separate you from God. That God would be separated from us. To divide he wants to undermine, listen, our confidence in God. He wants to undermine our belief to God. He wants to undermine our loyalty to Jesus Christ. He's the accuser. He's the slander. Ah, God, he, he doesn't really love you. This is happening because he doesn't care for you. That's Satan, because that's opposite of what the Word says. So watch out. He slanders Jesus. He slanders his name. He slanders his work. He slanders his people. All to stop us from following God in the way we should be following God. That's Satan. So be on your guard for the devil works to slander you. Be on your guard. Be watchful of those things. Back in Job, right? The book of Job, chapter 1. You remember God said, have you seen my servant Job? 
hey, there's no one like him. There's no one upright. There's no one who follows me and is, is so faithful and loyal to me. And what did Satan do? He slanders Job. He goes, he's nothing. You know what? He follows you because you're blessing him, because you're giving him things. Take it away, and you know what? He won't follow you. He'll curse you. Let me add him. So God says, okay, go ahead. And Satan did. And what happened? We know the story, right? Job lost everything. His, his, his possessions, his house, his wealth, his family, right? His, his, his health even. Only thing he had left, right, was his wife. And his wife became a tool for Satan when she kept telling Job to what? Curse God and die, right? Playing into Satan's game and what he's about. He's seeking to slander. But you know what's awesome? In Job 1.4, Job, Job he, he stayed faithful, didn't he? He said, hey, you know what? Naked I came in the world. Naked I go out. The Lord gave. The Lord has taken away. What? Blessed be the name of the Lord. And even through, through this whole period of time even in job 13 later he he said though he slay me yet i will trust you i will trust him that's job but you see what satan is trying to do but you can't destroy a person like this so watch out be on your guard for the devil works to slander you well let's go to our third thing be on your guard for the devil seeks to devour you. The devil seeks to devour you. We have to be on our guard for the devil works against you. He works to slander you. And be on your guard for the devil seeks to devour you. And that's the rest of verse 8 where he says the adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. And so like a predator, this is what Peter's saying. Satan, the devil's like this predator, like going around like a lion. The devil is on the prowl, looking for prey, looking for easy prey that he can get to. Now, Peter puts here, um, like a roar, uh, devil prowls around like a roaring lion. Now, um, I believe Peter's like looking into the Old Testament because of what he knows. The Old Testament, many times the lion is portrayed or it's a symbol of somebody or something that's vicious, a country that is vicious. And so the lion comes in roaring. And what is that? It speaks of how scary and vicious yeah, the devil really is. I was thinking, I mean, I, I've never really been up close and heard a lion roar. I don't know if you have. Maybe the zoo once I saw, but they weren't roaring. Yeah. And some people say that when you hear, really hear the lion roar, it's like, oh, it's scary. The only thing I could think about is watching Jurassic Park, you know, and the Tyrannosaurus Rex, like, Rawr! and you're like, ooh, you know, if you have surround sound, shaking your house and everything, right? Oh, and the kids go screaming, running away. But you understand, the roaring is really real. It's really about the viciousness and the scariness of the devil and, and what he can do to you and your life. So here's Peter saying, look, the devil's like a lion. He's, he's this predator. He's going around. He's looking for prey. He's scary. He's vicious. 
And it says here in verse 8 at the end, seeking someone to devour. Satan wants to eat you up. Satan wants to take you down. Satan wants to consume you, have you for lunch, so to speak. That's Satan. So be on your guard, because that's what he really wants to do. I was reading in a commentary, and they were talking about how many times the lion will attack the sick, the young, uh, stragglers of the herd, the, the guys who are, who are like in the, in the back, the ones who are alone, even ones who are not alert, you know, like the gazelle just eating all alone the grass and their head down, rawr, right? The lion comes. The lion will wi- watch patiently. The lion will, will study and choose their victims, who to get. Oh, I was thinking about that's like the enemy with us, you know. He, he studies us. He knows all about us. He knows our weaknesses. He knows how to influence us. He, he knows when we're tired that we're more apt to, to, you know, for attacks and for him to do things and push our buttons. He knows that. He's watching like a lion. And then this commentator is talking about, and then they roar. They roar. You know what? When they roar, it, 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 it creates fear, makes the, the prey run, and they run toward other lions waiting to get it. And I, I think that's Satan. He puts fear in us. He, we, we panic and we run, and there's his demons waiting for us to bring us down. To bring us down. Doubt God. Yeah to leave faith, our faith, to not trust in him. So be on your guard, for the devil seeks to devour you. He's, he's, he's roaming around. He's prowling around. I mean, it's just like in Job 1, right? Um, it, it, it says that Satan was going to and fro, up and down, walking up and down the earth. Why? Because he's looking for someone, we attach it here to 1 Peter 5, 8, someone to eat up, to someone to devour. And I say, don't be that one. Don't be that one. Let your life be that he passes you by. Don't make it easy for him. You know what? The devil looks for the vulnerable believers, right? The, the, The spiritually weak, the ones who aren't in the word. New believers who are new and young in the Lord. Stragglers, those who aren't in fellowship, those who aren't in accountability and with God's people together. He uses fear, right, to trap us into panic and leaving God. But you know what? If we're on our guard and we understand this, then we'll make it hard. Maybe he'll pass us by. So be on your guard, for the devil seeks to devour you. All right, how to fight against the devil? Number one, be disciplined. Be on your guard. And then number three, be immovable. Be immovable. Now we come to verse nine. And here it says, resist him firm in your faith. We'll stop there. So Peter says, first of all, resist him. Resist who? The devil. That's who he's been talking about. Resist the devil and be firm in your faith. Now, the word resist means take a stand against. It means to stand solidly. You know, get your feet planted and and stand there against the attacks. What is he saying? Be immovable here. Be immovable. 
Don't give in. Don't back down. And I'll tell you, you and I, we can stand. We can't do it on our own. But Ephesians 6.10 talks about that we can stand, right, in the power and in the might of the Lord. That's how we stand. But we can stand. So you know what that means? That means that the devil is defeatable, that the devil is winnable. He is. It's possible. We can be immovable with the Lord's strength. James says a similar thing, right? James 1, 4, 7 says, Submit to God, resist the devil, and what? He will flee from you, right? So be immovable. You can in the Lord's strength. So be immovable by what? He says, firm in faith, verse 9. What is that talking about? He's saying be immovable in the truth found right here in the word of God. When he's talking about the faith or your faith in the faith, He's talking about God's truth, about the word of God. In other words, don't compromise. Stick to what's in here. Yeah, hold on to what is here. Be immovable in that way of what you know, what the Bible says. But not just that, because if you really believe and are immovable in the truth, what you're going to live the truth. So also, I believe he's saying be immovable in living according to the word of God, that we live out what the Bible says. I mean, it makes sense to me, right? If you really believe what's in here, if you really are following what's in here, right? What does it say in here? To live out what's in here. So it makes sense to me that if you really believe this book, then you will really live this book, Take a moment, turn to the left to 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 through 5. I just want you to see this with your own eyes, 2 Corinthians 10, verses 3 through 5. If you've got your phones, you don't have to turn, you can click, <laughs> click there in our modern age. Well, it says here in 2 Corinthians 10, 3, for though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. What's he saying? Not the flesh like sinful flesh, but it's not a physical battle. It's not about guns and missiles and tanks and things like that. But he says in verse 4, For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, not the physical, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We're in a spiritual battle, but the power from God and really what Christ has done, we have power to destroy the strongholds. And you know what? There's strongholds in our minds. There's strongholds that have been set up in our minds that need to be taken down, and it's taken down by the renewing of our mind with the Bible. And then he says, we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and then I like this, and take every thought captive, like prisoner, to obey Christ. So you, there's that obedience again, you see. We can be immovable as we take a stand to put our minds, to put our will, everything in obedience to Christ, immovable, firm in the faith. You see that? We can be immovable, firm in faith this is winnable satan is defeatable and and let me say this listen the truth is that well we know in the bible that christ has defeated satan on the cross when he died and rose again satan was defeated 
So we know that. And it's been well said, hasn't it? I've said this. We fight from victory, not for victory. So understand that today. So as you take your stand, be immovable. Resist the devil. He will flee from you. Be immovable in your commitment to this, the word of God. In your commitment to obey the word. In your commitment to live the word out. In your commitment to Jesus Christ himself that your life is surrendered to him. That's how you can fight the enemy. That's how it can be winnable that he is defeatable. If that's a word. But I've been using it. Do you understand here what Peter's saying? Resist him. He can be resisted. Be immovable in your commitment to the word of God. You know, in Judges 16, you remember Samson? You guys know that, right? His strength was legendary, right? He, he was so strong. He defeated all the enemies, you know, of Israel. No one could take him down. Nobody can take him down. But how did he fall? Through temptation, right? Through who? Delilah, right? We know the story, Samson and Delilah. After many attempts, Samson finally revealed his secret of his strength. And what was that? His hair, right? And they cut his hair and he he became weak as any other man. But what was that? What was the hair? Was there something magical? Was it like Rapunzel, you know, kind of thing? What, What was that? No, the hair represented his vow to God, right? That ever since his baby or before baby, you know, the parents were like, no, we're not going to cut his hair. It's the Nazarite vow that he would, his life would be committed to God and not cutting his hair meant his commitment to God. So his hair, as it re- represented his dedication to God, as long as he kept his commitment, his hair, Samson was invincible. But when he broke his commitment, when the hair was cut, Samson became weak as any other man. You see, the secret to our strength is just that. The commitment we have to the Word of God. The commitment to Jesus Christ. We can be immovable as we are committed here to Jesus Christ. Understand that, you guys, today. Understand that. When you commit to God in the truth, Listen, even the gates of hell will not prevail against you because Jesus, you have Jesus. You're connected with Jesus. Maybe you walked in here and you feel beaten down. Maybe you walk in here and you feel defeated. You feel like you're losing that battle with Satan and the devil and the spiritual warfare has been tough and you just, you dragged yourself in here. You barely got here even. Could it be because you've been compromising in your life? That you've been giving in to the temptation and playing with sin? Could it be that, that perhaps you, are, you haven't been disciplined, right? And, you're, and Satan comes and easily, oh, he's an easy prey. I'll push this button. Ah, look, now he's angry. He's in the flesh. He's all upset, Yeah. And you go around causing all dissension, division, and all kinds of things, whether in your family or, or workplace, wherever. Could it be because maybe you haven't been disciplined in obedience and committed to Christ as he wants you to be? Let me tell you, you can be immovable again, though. You know how? By commitment. By commitment. Remember, Samson said, oh, one more time, Lord. 
one more time. And he pushed the pillars and it all fell down, killed the Philistines, right? He committed his life again. So can you and I. We can't be immovable by committing ourselves to the word, committing our life to the word of God and to God and Jesus Christ himself. Let me, let me tell you, when we're going to be partaking communion in a moment, I think that's a great time for us to go to the cross, to lay our sins and compromise before the Lord and be forgiven and make new commitments, to recommit our life to Jesus Christ so that, you know what, you can be immovable again. So commit your life to Jesus. So how to fight against the devil, number one, be disciplined, be on your guard, be immovable, and number four, be reassured. Be reassured. This is the last part of verse 9. Peter goes on and says, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. All right, Peter's like, you know what? You can be disciplined. You need to be on your guard. You need to be immovable. You can be. And, and, and because, you know what? Knowing this, just put this into your minds, he's saying. Knowing this, that the same kind of suffering that you guys are going through, the same kind of attacks. And remember, the behind this letter and what's going on with the believers and Christians here is they're going through much persecution. I mention this almost every week, right? Nero's bearing down hard, burning Christians. The whole, whole trip, the whole society is against believers. They're losing their homes and jobs and ostracized, you know, from society and neighbors and everything, right? So it's hard. This is hard, suffering, persecution. But Peter's saying, look, know this, you guys that the same kinds of suffering, this persecution, this attacks from Satan, you know what, are being experienced by your brotherhood, by other believers throughout the world. So Peter's like, look, don't let the devil think that you're the only one. Don't we think that sometimes? Why me? Oh, God, you must have a favorite. Someone told me um, that once. That, oh, you're God's favorite. Things like this only happens to me. Oh, you're blessed, not me. So the devil can put that in our minds too. So Peter's like, don't let the devil think that you're the only one going through this. Don't let him make you think that, oh, you're some special target and, and you know, he's put his bullseye on you and his guns are aimed at you and, and you're the only one. Don't let him make you think that, well, it's because God doesn't care about you, right? That, see, everyone else is okay, but God doesn't love you, see? Or, oh, you sinned so much, it's, see, that's it, you're done. God's done with you, so here you go. Here's all the tax. Here's all the warfare. Peter's trying to say, look, no, no, you're not alone in this. It's happening to all believers. It's happening to every Christian. That's why I say, look, you guys are... The Christian life is, is not a playground, but a battleground. Once we've come to Christ, we've entered a battle. But we've entered a relationship with a God who cares for us and who will fight for us. Right? He's there for us. He's greater than he who is in the world. He's not against us. He's for us. So here's Peter. You're not alone. 
be reassured you're not the only one in the battle. That's what he's saying. Be reassured you're not the only one in the battle. I read how um, uh, in this commentary they were saying how Christian mission scholars say that more Christians have died for their faith in the last 50 years than in previous 2,000 years. I thought, wow. I didn't know that. Wow. We think, oh, it's just Paul's day, Peter's day, but no. And if, if you go to some of these um, uh, persecuted Christian websites, you'll see there's a lot going on in the world. They also say that two-thirds of Christians, two-thirds now, live in countries where the government is hostile or, or totally against believers. I've read you stories like in uh, India, the government is more going to, toward Hinduism, so that's allowing uh, these radical guys to go after Christian, to go after believers. It's crazy. They're doing crazy things, killing, burning down Christian churches and things like that right now. So we might not see like that kind of physical persecution here, but we might. But the devil still is on the prowl. The devil still is attacking us. You, you, you guys know. You feel it. I don't have to explain. Yeah. I feel it. But we're all in this together, you guys. We are not alone in the battle. Be reassured that you're not the only one. You're not. You're not. Don't make him think that you are. And so, look, we got to be in prayer for one another. We got to voice that, you guys. Oh, man, I, I don't know. It might be an attack, but I, I'm feeling like this. Yeah? We have to be. We have to be there for each other to encourage each other to pray, to stop and, okay, let me pray for you. Or I'll be in prayer for you this week because it looks like, yeah, what you share, I'm going to be in prayer for you. Satan's there, right, prowling around. Satan's there trying to, trying to pull us away, whether it's materialism or fleshly things or lust or pushing our buttons of emotion, of anger, or putting fear or panic in us. It's all the what? To stop us following God, to, to, to tell us, to make us give up. You know, for me, I, I think um, the devil has been really relentless and maybe in the past, say four or five years if the, I mean all kinds of things but for me personally the 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 biggest thing is the devil's been relentless in trying to discourage me that's what it's been for me so if you can pray for me pray for me in 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 that part I mean I understand he knows my insecurities you know he knows how to like knock my feet from out under me and discourage me and go oh, I don't know I'm hopeless or I you know all those things he knows my goals and what I, I'm, I'm trying to push for and, and, and what I'm going for in my calling. He knows my dreams and everything, but, the, but then, boom, things happen, and, and I get discouraged. I don't know. For me, that's probably the number one biggest thing. Maybe it is for you. It's, there's a well, and you're not alone, I'm trying to say. There's a well-told legend that, and it's just a story, but it, it's to bring about a point. And um, it's just a story someone wrote, but a legend that Satan went to close up shop in a certain area, and he had a garage sale. 
And spread out on the table was his tools, like envy and greed, jealousy, hatred, gossip, unforgiveness, lust. But there was an old, worn-out, the most worn-out tool there with the highest price, and it was labeled discouragement. When asked why it was so expensive for an old tool, the devil said, this is my favorite. I use this the most. With this, I can open doors that are locked, and once inside a person's heart, I can cause all kinds of damage I couldn't with any other tool. I read that and go, yeah, that's, that's what Satan uses on me the most. But you know what? I don't want to give handles, quote unquote, to the devil anymore. No more. I want to trust God. I, wa- I want to be disciplined. I want to be immovable. I want, I want to be on my guard because I know how he's going to come in, you know, to attack me. I know his main way. I want to take away those handles. I want to be reassured. Yeah, it's not just me. Yeah. I'll close with this. The pioneer missionary Hudson Taylor to China. He was used mightily of God. I mean, he, he, he went into China when nobody was going into China in the 1800s and brought many to Jesus Christ. I mean, um, uh, many of the Christians today, you know, is cred- credit him because he, he took that time but it was a hard time he went through much he was sick most of his life he has he lost his wife and his third child Uh, he suffered when famine swept through china and wars and battles Uh, he fell down and he was paralyzed for (coughs) a spinal injury uh, during the winter of 1874 to 1875 He says that that was the lowest time in his life as he can only do one thing, and that is lay in bed. So here's this missionary. He went through a lot of trials. He suffered much. He he went through deep doubts too himself and was discouraged. Yet in spite of all this, through every trial, through every attack, every battle, you know what? He never gave up. In the book, called um, uh, Hudson Taylor's Spiritual Secret, written by um, his son, I believe. At the very end of the book is written this. Hudson Taylor stopped at no sacrifice in following Christ. I like that. See, this is what Peter's saying. Take these tools for winning. Get Get it into your heart. And with this, then you will know how to fight against the devil. Let's pray. Lord, as we (coughs) come to the end of the message and as we move into a time of communion, Lord, we have been stirred up, God. Your Holy Spirit has been speaking. And not only have we been given tools, Lord, weapons, so to speak, to fight the spiritual warfare and attacks, in the battle with the devil. God, your Holy Spirit has also convicted our hearts and where we are lacking, and perhaps it's there that we've given a place for the devil to come through, a handle for him to grab, a button to be pushed. Lord, we want to repent of those things, and as we come to communion, God, we want to confess it. We want to confess them, Lord. And God, 
Perhaps it's because our commitment hasn't been total. Perhaps our commitment hasn't been full. Perhaps the commitment we have in surrendering our life to you isn't a full surrender. We've held back. We've played with our commitment. I'll commit to this only if this happens. But it is not a full surrender before you. Lord, we want to lay ourselves humbly before you, God. We want to submit ourselves to you, God. Resist the devil so he would flee. Here we are, Jesus. Help us now. Meet us right where we're at. We're not perfect. None of us are. I'm not. But God, as we know, the devil is seeking to devour. But Jesus, you came to seek and save the lost. And we can be so lost in our ways. So Jesus, here we are, surrendered to you, God, laying ourselves before you. Come and minister to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.